gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We are back in the building. Episode number, I don't know, one of these episodes. I think we're around episode 14. Anyway, super happy to have my guest here. I'm not going to say her name yet, but I want to I want to uh, quote her, something from her bio that I thought was interesting. A girl First. has no name. <laughs> For all the Game of Thrones fans out there, the girl has no name. <laughs> there are many doctors in media, Gupta, Oz, Bessler, Phil, and I'm going to add Chopra. Yet we have no nationally known nurse. My next guest aims to change that. Katie Duke, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. <laughs> How are Thank you? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Absolutely. I know, good. You, I know you're extremely busy, so I appreciate you making the time to come out to talk to me. Listen, man, I will always support the hustle. Oh, listen, I the will hustle. always support the hustle. And you've yeah. come highly recommended by my brother from another mother. Brother from another mother. Brother from another mother. Uh, episode number one's guest, episode, Anthony yep. C. Watkins. Anthony Carl. Anthony Carl, who we're expecting in the building at some point, but he won't be on the microphone today. No. <laughs> no, nope. we, that's, talk, all, we're gonna that's be talk, all me, dog. That's, that's right. All me. We're going to be talking to Katie Duke. So Katie Duke, I'm going to give my listeners a little bit of background on you, Okay. You got your uh, bachelor's of lies. nursing <laughs> from City <Don't> College, <laughs> <laughs> master's of science in nursing of, uh, from Columbia University. Uh, then you your your uh, television debut was ABC's New York Med, New York ER. You were a regular guest on Fox News, uh, the Doctors Talk Show. Which, Dr. if I can show. throw a disclaimer in sure, there, sure. I won't go on Fox anymore because they support Trump. Just right. throwing that in uh, there. Throw it in, throw it in. <laughs> hey, listen, it's still TV time. Uh, she's a keynote speaker at national conferences and events and a brand ambassador for Dickies and Cherokee Scrubs. And before all that, she made minimum wage working in a grill parts factory. Katie Duke, you come you a know, long way. Listen, listen, you I've come had... come a long way, I've Virginia had, Slims. I've had some... We used to call them <laughs> vagina slimes vagina back in St. Louis, though. <laughs> Uh, we have yeah, we, we have a celebrity we in the got building, a celebrity. folks. Anthony Carl is here. <laughs> yes, here he we go. He think he's slick. He know he's slick. Yeah, no. So I, it's funny, you know. I, I was born and raised in St. Louis. I've had many a odd summer jobs. You know, this ain't my good angle, Anthony. I'm gonna need you to sit over here, bro. Oh, she she's telling yeah. people how to take pictures and video. And can you use my seven plus since you got that janky ass five? <laughs> oh. This man replaces livers and kidneys for a living, but he trying to take a picture of me with an iPhone three plus. <laughs> I think that's a 3G, actually. <laughs> Three plus. I can't allow that. Yeah, so I've had, I've had many odd jobs, you know, yeah. throughout my life. Um, and the interesting fact is when you say, you know, like the grill parts factory. Right. No lie. No, Le- I believe it. Legit, my job, um, I worked at a, a tool and dye company, a manufacturing plant in St. Louis, making $8.84 an hour, which was like money back in the day. But then also $5.51 at the deli. Five, what, yeah, what, man. What you, what you listen, know about that? Listen, what you know about that? For, you, you came well, all you the way up from the bottom, all the way from yep. the bottom, now she's here. I know, right? Now I'm making <laughs> N- N- NP-like money. That's right. But, you know, like those jobs where you make $5 an hour, $8 yeah. an hour, I've had, I mean, there's there's a lot of jobs that people have that they might be embarrassed about. But, you know, I'm very open and accepting of the fact that I used to rub out scratches of yeah. barbecue side tables wow. <laughs> and that yeah. I'd make sandwiches for years. Yeah. You know, and I was making fa- sandwiches over at this restaurant in the hill in St. Louis called Southwest Market. And okay. man, I made a mean sandwich. Everybody got extra mayonnaise. Everyone got extra cheese. Okay. Even if you ain't asking for it, you getting like you getting double. Okay. And everybody, you know, if they ever came up to the if they came up to like the counter and they were like, yeah. I'm not sure what I want, I was that girl that was like, I'm gonna tell you what you need. You need uh, this ham and beef delight in your life, okay? It's, okay. It's ham and cheese. It's right. basically ham and roast beef on garlic <laughs> cheese bread with like with like an Italian salad tossed on it. 
shit is fabulous. But, uh, you know, so I was like, I was the sandwich king. I've always had this love of feeding people uh-huh. and making people feel good through food, which is probably what got me to like 220 pounds okay. somewhere. Okay, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that because your fans know you don't look like that anymore. You, you, no, you definitely, no. You're definitely going def- hard in the yeah, paint in the I gym. I definitely didn't. For sure. But, but it's all those, you know, what some people might call mediocre jobs yeah. that really make me appreciate the fact that Absolutely. I don't have to go to a factory and clock in and literally I would punch that card in that time clock. Yeah. You think y- y'all think that that ain't real? That no, is real. Yeah. We used to have a, a bell ring throughout the whole factory at 10 a.m. for like 15 minute break and then when the lunch truck came another yeah. bell would ring. Y'all you think we was like cattle in like a slaughterhouse. That's what you were. And it was just like, God, and some of people have been working there 45 years wow. doing the same thing every yeah. day. And yeah. it's not that it's not that we don't all do the same thing every day in healthcare, but right. at least I see different patients. At least right. I get to look at different body parts. At least I, you know, get a different verbal lashing from somebody here right. and there. But same thing every day. And I was just like, I know this life ain't for me. Right. You said that there was something greater, something great on the inside, which we're going to get to later. What yeah. I want to talk about right now before we jump into the truth prescription is you posted something on July 20th and I read it and I said, I've this got, dude got the I've, dates down. I said, I've got, to, I've got to ask her about this because this is heavier than heavy. So I'm going to put my radio voice on and I'm going to read this. All right. <clears throat> he was attracted to her looks, but fell in love with her mind and it wasn't her body that kept him there. It was her soul. She could light a fire within him every time he heard her speak. Her pockets were good, but her energy was rich. And in turn, she fed his soul. What the hell is Yo, that? Listen, that right Whoa, there. Whoa, what is that? <laughs> that Did you that, write that? I wrote that shit. Yo, what, what I wrote in that. the world? I mean, I seriously. That. No, I, I mean, I, I read that. that and I said to myself, uh... That's very heavy. So. I'm going to have to repost that, actually, because that, that one didn't get as much love as it should have got. Talking but about providing nutrition. You provide nutrition. In and, the you know, world? I guess, I guess I can summarize that up by saying I was, I, was all up in, I was all up in my fields one night. Okay. I was all up in my fields. Okay. And I'm a cancer, so I'm already, okay. like, baseline sensitive. Okay. You know, I, I do have a lot of emotions and, you know, but I'm also very aggressive. So I have my moments where I get you know, feeling like this and I want to express it. But the thing is, is that when you're on social media, you know, and people look to you as a public figure, you got to give them something to get from your page. Absolutely. So if people go to my page, they get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Okay. You know, they get somebody who, you know, has not exactly followed a straight path in life. Okay. They get somebody who, you know, who works in healthcare in New right. York City. They right. get they get the nurse life. Right. But they also get, you know, the life of a woman who goes through shit that women deal with every day. You know, and so I like to have a little bit of empowerment every now and then for women. But I think part of being empowered is is reminding ourselves what true values women should hold. Sure. And I feel like all this shit that we see on social media these days is just Women, it's like it's like man. Listen, like I'm, I ain't gonna sugarcoat any of this. Okay, say no, it. All we Speak see, to the all we see on social media is like fake plastic bodies. Everyone has like no bras, no like. I mean, like ain't nobody, ain't nobody leaving nothing up to the imagination anymore. No strippers are glorified, video vixens are glorified. Yeah, you know, it's true. everybody is just like you know got ass shots and twerking, and it's just like, <laughs> damn man, where are the women at that are keeping their clothes on? Right. Where are the women that and where are the women at that are encouraging our young women? you know, to, to walk with a value of self-dignity and respect. Cool. Where are the women at that are encouraging our young women to pursue education? Sure. Where are the Michelle Obamas? Yeah. Because there ain't that many of them out there right. that are on social media that have popularity. Right. Because please believe, I could post a bikini shot with my big old white girl booty and okay. I could get 10,000 likes. Okay. Then this picture will be shared and this picture will go viral and yeah. it will be so popular and, and all this. And then... If I post a picture, you know, of myself, let's just say, you know, talking to a group of young women at like a public speaking event that I'm doing. Right. And I have a really powerful message about empowering young women and, you know, reestablishing our presence in the media. Right. Like, what do you think the difference in the popularity of those two messages is going to be? Absolutely. These days, our media glorifies. The ass shot is going to get more likes. Yeah, but it's because our media glorifies all that. 
And our media glorifies, you know, all of that. So, you know, at the end of the day, I try to tell women, especially through a post like that, that, you know, you have to give the men in your life or your partner in your life Mm -hmm. something more than just something to look at because that's not going to, there really is no substance to somebody's looks other than the level of attraction. Well, it's not lasting. I mean, that's the thing. You look look at somebody like Sophia Loren who's beautiful. You look at how she looked when she was 20. And then you look at how she looks now. Now she, she looks like she's ninety years old because she is ninety years old. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly. but that's cool though. Like exactly. Like people, I'm thirty six, and every time I tell people I'm thirty six, they're like, "Oh, you're thirty times six. and I'm like, "No, nah, I'm thirty six. Right. I'm okay with that. Right. It's nothing wrong with aging. Right. There's nothing wrong with with you know with growing old, and we have this this really terrible superficial. Uh, you know, society that just, that for some reason is making it seem like it's not okay to grow older. It's not okay to have a perfect body. Right. It's not okay to be one of those old fashioned types. Okay. So okay. that, that post where I'm getting in my feels, getting I'm just trying now, was that, to was like. This a per- were you in your feelings in a personal sense? Like you were speaking, you were oh, speaking yeah. to the people, but were you also writing from your own experience currently? Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't put anything out there that's not from my own experience. Okay, there we go. There we go. Yeah, yeah, no. She said, talk about it, be about it, post about it, be about it. Be about that life. <laughs> about you that ain't, life. You ain't about that. <laughs> you ain't about that, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> you got to feed people's soul. Yeah, no, I mean, I read it. I thought it was profound and um, I was like, you know, that's what I look for in relationships. I definitely have that with my wife. You know, she she feeds me with much more than the uh, the physical uh, her, her her physical beauty and uh, yeah. i think it's a beautiful thing yeah and you I, know cuz I, I mean yeah. all women have vaginas we all have that so you have to offer something different but right. you need to understand that you know um, somebody who's looking for a life partner yeah. you may get all the glorification on social media from your appearance and your body and how many naked photos you got but right. you know that's not going to be around in 20 40 years so no, you got to offer Things of substance. That's right. So, Listen, yeah. we we already jumped into true prescription, and we didn't even jump into true we prescription. Need, I mean, you we just, just in the intro. You just, we just in the intro, and we you already giving you already doling out all this truth to the people. So listen, the the premise of the show, the truth prescriptions, right, is that all successful people, of which you are, you're successful, you've done you've done you've done a lot of things, have had to go through obstacles, and usually they're able to surpass or surmount or destroy those obstacles by dealing with a particular truth, something that they've been ignoring. Yeah. Okay? So I like to talk to my guests first about a personal truth and then about a professional truth, or we can do vice versa. But I want you to tell us a story. You can start with either, professional or personal, that sort of shows us a situation that maybe you were ignoring a truth about yourself, about the world, and it was when you accepted that that you were actually able to move past and become more successful. Just throwing that out there, huh? Just throwing it out no there. No big deal. Just, just a little, <laughs> just a little light question to right. start out the interview. A little light, a little light. <laughs> just some light work. And total disclaimer: Katie was like, "I don't want to know what you're going to ask me. I yeah. want to be completely transparent and, you know, in the moment." So I appreciate yeah. that. We'll start with the professional truth prescription. There we go. It all started back on February 28th, 2013, the uh, night that shall forever live in infamy. You talking about your post? <laughs> oh, I'm talking about the night that got me shit canned on national television. You're talking yeah. about your post yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah, yeah. talk about that it post all right so for people that don't know just give them the backstory and then you can speak on yeah it. so um so you know i i moved to new york in 2007 mm-hmm. after chasing after this feeling that there was something greater out something there for greater. me but i never yeah. really knew what it was you know um i had always loved uh people i had always loved um you know being in the spotlight and um, so when I came to New York, it felt like a natural fit for me because the energy of the city made me want to do better things with my life. Okay. Energy of New York City made me want to make better choices for myself. Okay. So I started working as a nurse at a hospital that shall not be named, but we all know <laughs> where it is. <laughs> all right. Um, all you got to do is Google. But so I started working at this hospital and... Um, you know, I, I loved this place. It was an emergency room. It was a level one trauma center, had a full psychiatric and a full PDR. I was involved in committees. I was involved in training new nurses. I was involved in the residency program and the fellowships and hospital and department-wide committees. That place was like my home. Mm, and I started working there three days after I moved to New York. So it was wow. really the only thing that I ever knew 
in New York. Yeah. Matter of fact, I didn't know how to use the subway, but man, I knew how to get to that hospital. <laughs> you know, I didn't really um, have any friends. The mm. only friends I had ever made were from that hospital. Got it. I don't have family for like, you know, like, uh, you know, fa- my family's all in Missouri, yeah. Chicago, you know, way down south. So I'd never been to New York a day in my life before I moved up here. So the hospital offered me a little something more than just a job. It was just, it was that like place community. to call home, yeah. that community, yeah. yeah. So just a little background on, on what that hospital meant for me. So I invested everything in there. You know, uh, it, was, it was just a very important place for me. So fast forward, you know, a few years, I was a charge nurse, I was triage nurse, I was, I was very, very involved. It was never just go to work and come home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I liked yeah. being involved. I, yeah. I invested in that place. And so one day we were having a staff meeting and our director was like, oh, um, you know, ABC is going to be here filming a documentary in the hospital. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, they're not going to film nurses. So why are you telling us? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so everyone just kind of like ignored it. A couple days later, I was in charge in um, Area A, which was like the main part of the emergency room, and we had like a pretty sick patient come in, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I was getting rallying the troops, and we all got in there and you know, banged that shit out and did what we had to do. Of and you know, when I looked, when I walked out of the recess room, I looked over and there were these suits in the corner. And you know what we talk about when we say suits. We're like, you're either from the Joint Commission or you're from administration or you're here to count us, count how many times we don't wash our hands when we walk out of the room. So who who the f*** are y'all people? So I walk over and I'm like, can I help you guys? And they're all all like, "Uh, we're from ABC. Um, We just want to know if we can talk to a couple of you guys. And I'm Mm. like, yeah, sure. Talk to me. You can talk to me. I'm the charge nurse. I'm Katie Duke. (laughs) First name, last name kind of (laughs) gal. And um, and so we get to you know we get to we get to talking you know back and forth and they're like you know you 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 have a cool energy about you I like your story you know mm-hmm. we're gonna be back here tomorrow do you mind if we put a microphone on you and I'm like I don't care as long as that thing ain't got a filter on it because what right. you see is what you get yeah you know I I'm the charge nurse of a very very busy ER in New York City and uh, you know I hope you're not looking for Florence Nightingale because <laughs> she ain't here she <laughs> ain't <Nightingale>. here. <laughs> She ain't here, son. <laughs> so, um, so they came back, put the mic on me the next day, and you know, I just I went in there and I just and I got to work. Yeah. And um, I think that that was something that they, you know, they liked what they saw because they saw an intelligent, strong woman, um, but they also saw a person who, you know, um, did very well in chaotic environments, and mm-hmm. that is a typical nurse in New York. Absolutely. You know, on any unit in any hospital. So they asked me to be a part of the show along with two other nurses and I, and I was like, yeah, sure. And then when I got home, I was like, man, this is crazy. Maybe this is what that feeling was years and years right, ago. There's something great out there, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, this is a really cool opportunity. Now, were, so, were you, are you guys paid? Were you compensated? No. Interesting. Okay. Contrary to popular belief, we did not make 30000 an episode. Mm, Yo, some people okay. thought we were making like bank. Unlike no. uh, we got paid Housewives to, of Atlanta. Man, they listen, make thirty thousand no. episodes. Yeah, yeah, but they also like throw tables at shit at each other, and like, <laughs> like they be like, I'm like, like man, we we don't have that much fun in the hospital. Right, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we never got paid from ABC. We got paid our hourly wage from the hospital when we mm. were at work doing right. doing our work. Doing what so you do, yeah, yeah, there was nothing above and beyond that. So you know, over time, um, so we started filming season one, myself and the other two nurses, and it was interesting because about halfway through, like filming that season we really started to feel tension from other colleagues, tension from, you know, other people. And it didn't matter if it was your director, if it was, you know, other nurses, patient care techs, there were a lot of people that were not cool with a, with a even though it was a well-respected documentary, yeah. we, we were not filming no housewives stuff in there. Like we ain't no. talking like reality cameras. Like yeah. these were docu, these were, Terry Wrong has a Peabody award. Yeah. That is for like journalistic integrity. I mean, yeah. just 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 that alone speaks very highly. And you know, we all knew that they were not there to make any sort of trashiness on TV. But there were a lot of people that were not comfortable with, you know, with with the camera crew. And then there's the other people that were jealous because they were not part of the show. Of course. And there was lots of jealousy. A lot of haterade. A lot hater- of hateration. 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 A lot of hateration. Mary J would have been so annoyed. So you know, <laughs> the thing was was that. Um, we had to keep it moving, though, you know? And so yeah. when cameras come around, people change. 
And mm. when jealousy mm. ensues, people change. People that we had all worked with for years and years started acting differently. Management started acting differently, but we kept it moving. Sure. So they ended up, they, they filmed season one. Season one came on. It was a big hit. We're like, okay, great. This is over. We can all keep it moving. You know, right. cool. It was a great experience. And they come back and they're like, we want to do a second season. And we're mm. like, hmm. Uh, who are you guys gonna follow? And they're like, oh, we're gonna um, we're gonna follow the same crew. And we're like, okay, all right. So maybe people will act different this time. Yeah. Anyway, so we keep it moving. And you know, again, you expect there to be some cattiness when you work in an ER that has you know 90 female nurses in it. Mm. You know, and you expect there to be some cattiness when you know ABC national red carpet shit rolls around on primetime Thursday night television. That's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. So and they're featuring Katie Duke. Not the other 89 yeah, nurses. Yeah. So there were a lot of people that were angry that they weren't following new people. And then there were a lot of people that were also still just bitter because they weren't a part of it or they just didn't like the fact that the cameras were in the ER and the hospital. Okay. Anyway, keep it moving. The work environment became a little sticky. It was a little hostile. Okay. You know, there were uh, several of us that had talked to HR and talked to human resource. I mean, talked to public relations about it, you know, and we're like, people are like treating, I mean, like this is, this is getting kind of, it, it's getting kind of scratchy up in here, you know? Yeah. And uh, they're like, well, you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Just keep promoting the show sure. and, you know, just go there and do your work and go home, which we all did. Um, and uh, so anyway, fast forward, we're a few weeks into filming season two. And one of our ER docs, uh, he and his wife, like, had just had a baby. And um, I was at home one day, and uh, one of my uh, homegirls was like, oh, you got to look on such and such's Instagram page. His, he has pictures of the new baby. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I flipped to his page. He's one of our uh, residents in the ER, mm-hmm. one of our physicians in the ER. Okay. And um, so I flipped to his page, and I see this picture that he had that he had posted, like, a week prior it was of an empty trauma room and it was pretty it was pretty strong photo yeah. like it was one of those photos that you're just like man it just it just kind of made you think about things from a different perspective there sure. were no limbs there weren't any like random amputated extremities right. or you know the blood chaos and the blood you know there and, was no hospital logos yeah. or anything negative but it was there and that picture told a story yeah. so i remember bloody I te- central yeah. line kits all kind of just it was just stuff, like trash sh- a shroom every, yeah. everywhere yeah. yeah so i texted him and i was like yo do you care if i i was i was like i was like do you care if i repost this picture um, he's like, no, 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 go ahead. He's like, that's from the traumatic arrest that came in the other night. The guy yeah. got hit by the train. He survived. He made it to the OR. It was all over the news and everything. Wow. And I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Yeah. So I remember seeing it on like the daily news, you know, saying, you know, New York Presbyterian Hospital, you know, saves this guy who got hit by a train. And, you know, don't nobody survive getting hit no. by any so the train. Guy, so that guy lived. Well, he lived enough to make it to the hospital, to the ER, and to the operating room, which... Uh, in and of itself is a lot for a traumatic arrest, which yeah. you know you know that. No, absolutely. So um, anyway, but so he, I screenshot. But he didn't make it past that. I don't know actually. Okay. So I post the picture like a few days later, um, and I said, "Man versus Six Train, amazing, amazing work between New York City EMS nurses and physicians. Yeah. You know, doing great things for patients. Hashtag, hashtag, blah 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 blah. Right." And the photo was, you know, people were, you know, very engaged by it. They were very, you know, they're like, man, this this really is a very strong photo. Yeah. Had no negative connotations or anything. So right. no names of patients. No, no, no. I ain't out there like, like right. John Smith, age 55, past right. medical history right. of CAD, <laughs> hypertension, and diabetes, lives right. at 62 <laughs> Lenox Avenue, came in at 5 p.m. Right, get, right, getting right. hit by a one train. Like, come on, man. I didn't, ain't nobody going to go on there and post no, that crap. No. No. So, so, you know, so, but again, in my head, I'm like, I'm just reposting this picture that he took. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I'm promoting the show with it and I'm, and I'm giving people, you know, uh, just an eye into what it's like to sure. be in the media because my whole purpose for starting anything on social media that I ever did was to give people a different perspective what it's like to be on the other side of the stretcher yeah because everybody knows what it's like to be on the patient perspective everybody knows what it's like to be in those shoes but do you know what it's like to be the healthcare provider to right. be the surgeon to be the nurse to be you know the, the emergency the, physician the, the paramedic yeah to, yeah to be the doc we also have a lack of healthcare providers in the media especially women and nurses yeah. so keeping all that in mind i wanted to share the photo so um a few days after i posted it 
we are filming and it was around seven o'clock at night and my man, my uh, charge nurse comes up to me. She's like, hey, uh, they want to see you in the back office. And I'm like, it's 7 p.m. Why are they even still right, here? They're right. like five o'clock people. Right. Why are they still here? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. And I remember looking at her and I was like, I'm getting fired. She's like, what? Girl, you ain't getting fired. Go on. They probably it's probably a schedule change or something. I don't know. Did you did you violate the uniform policy again? <laughs> like 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 what right. did you do? And right. I'm like, I don't think so. So I took my microphone off um, and I gave it to my videographer who was there, and his name is Jack. And I'm like, Jack, probably not gonna be able to come back and get this, so uh, I'll text you in a few minutes. But you'll probably have to meet me outside. He's like, What? He didn't get it. And I go back in the office, and sure enough, I open up the door, and it's my manager and my patient care director. And I walked in, and I knew instantly I was getting fired. And they're like, you know, you can have a seat, Katie. Uh, you know, mm. we won't make this too long, but, uh, you know, we really know how much you love this emergency room. We know how much this place means to you. And, you know, you've really contributed so much over your, all of your years here. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, we really have valued you here and everything that you've contributed and you know and you're a great nurse and uh the problem is is that we just think you're trying to do too much personally we just don't want you working here anymore and i was like mic drop like what i i was i was like am i getting punked like what is this like a complete joke i'm like is this a complete joke and i'm like i don't i don't i don't understand this and i'm like what he's like yeah, so uh, you know you can follow you can file an appeal with Human Resources you know tomorrow, but uh, you know we're, we're terminating you. And mm. I was like, why? They're right. like, well, um, you know, we just need nurses who come in here, be a nurse, and go home. You're trying to do all this extra stuff. You're trying to be the next Doctor Oz. It's it's just too much. You don't run this emergency room. I run shit here. And that was my manager saying that as he's like pounding his fist on the table. Oh, please. And uh, now what about the resident that originally posted it? Oh, did he get in, in, into any trouble? Because you I'm can't get, really. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. So the thing is, is that I know, I know, I know. I, I talk a lot. This is a deep story. The next thing that happened was he's like, you know, unfortunately, we just can't fire you for that. So, um, you know, this came this post came across our table and he had a screenshot picture printed out on paper of the Instagram Mm. post. He's like, so we're going to fire you and we're going to say that it's because this post is insensitive. And I'm like, the post is insensitive, but it doesn't violate anything about social media or HIPAA or HIPAA policy anywhere. And also, like, is the is the resident who took it getting fired also? Is he getting a talk like like? Why couldn't y'all just write me up or at least pull me in and talk to me about this? Because out of all my, like, six, seven years here, I've never had major issues, problems. Yeah. No, like, I've, I've, I've never had, you know, tardies here or there, uniform violation like everybody has. But right. I ain't never had no major shit go down. Right. And uh, they're like, no, we think it's best if you just move on. And I'm like, <laughs> damn. They didn't even let me go clean out my locker. They had security come and escort me out the back hallway uh, through the ele- through the stairs in the back hallway, um, and I had to leave out like the exit where people deliver stuff at. I couldn't go back into the ER. I couldn't get my stuff. I couldn't say bye to anybody. So how did you get your stuff eventually? Uh, so the patient care director she yeah. went in and got my stuff and brought it back to me, and then they sent security <laughs> Man, to get cold. and then they sent security to get the stuff that she didn't get out of my locker. So. Anyway, so the next morning I started the appeal process and I went to HR and I was like, they're firing me for, they're saying this photo, but the person who took the photo is not even getting a conversation. I said, this, this can't be like, this can't be happening. And, um, I, I, you know, they said New York is an at-will employment state and this is not a union hospital. So, you know, it's just best if you move on. And it was almost like everybody was like, just kind of, it felt like everyone was like covering for each other. It felt like no one, because I had the employee handbook in one hand where it was like clearly, where they clearly violated like the process of, you know, of, of terminating someone's employment and and that my rights weren't even getting like paid attention to. And then on the other hand, it's just like, just go, you know? And, Mm. and I'm like, damn, like I'm, I'm not out there putting people on blast. I'm not trying to be some whistleblower, but it made me realize that nurses are disposable Okay, because, so that was, that was because by the end of that meeting, he's like, there's 400, there's 400 other licenses waiting for your job. He's like, it's hard to replace a doctor. He's not going to get a, he's not going to get fired. And, you know, down the line, like, I, I, I realize that wow. now. And, and, but he's true, but it's right, though. It's That's right. Cold. 
it, but, but, it, but it's the truth. So when I, the lesson I learned from yeah. this, you know, because I lost a job, I lost my insurance, my tuition reimbursement, like, like everything within a matter of 24 hours that I just was not expecting. Yeah. Do I think that what I did was a terminable offense? No. no. Do yeah. I think that they could have called me in there and been like, hey, this could be taken the wrong way, you know? I would have been like, you know what, you're right. So, you know, when they wanted to show this on, on TV, Terry Wrong, who is the producer at ABC, he's like, you know, um, I, I want to tell your story. I said, I want you to tell my story. I said, but I want you to tell the truth. He's like, we can't put the whole truth out there. <laughs> don't nobody want to see all that. Right. People aren't ready for that. Yeah. And you don't want to come across as the victim pointing the finger at the big bad hospital. And I was like, ain't that a... But I decided, you know, he was right. So what truth yeah, do I take from this? The, the truth that I take from this is that there are going to be many situations that come across your life that are really shitty, that are not, you know, that you just can't, you can't rationalize. You right. know, I, I, can't, I still to this day can't make right. sense out of that because, uh, you know, even if you talk to everybody I ever worked with there, you will never hear from anybody that I was anything less than an excellent nurse and a safe mm -hmm. nurse. And isn't that what hospitals want? Right. So, like, it doesn't matter how good your situation is. Everybody's capable of falling off at some point in time or another. But the problem is, is what do you do in your lowest moment? So the truth that I had to take from that was that you will often have to, you know, take a slice of humble pie. And I had to put my tail between my legs and I had to go to the corner and I had to realize, you know what? I could have been more sensitive with what I posted out there. Mm -hmm. And playing the victim is not really going to get you anywhere. Because I could have easily went home and been like, I'm going to sue the hospital, the hell with them. And, you know, I didn't do anything wrong and this is all their fault. Right. But is right. wallowing around in my own crap going to get me, you know, going to make me feel better? Maybe for a few minutes. But the stronger thing is to take the higher road, especially at your lowest points. Yeah. And really, you know, at the end of the day, that, that's the only thing that will ever really determine how strong we really are. So the truth that I took from that was that, you know... Um, even if you feel completely wronged, you still have to look for that lesson and you have to seek some sort of self-improvement from that. So ever since yeah. then, you know, I have really made it a mission in my life to make sure that other people don't make the same mistake. Yeah. You know, because even though I agree that, even though I feel that what happened to me was not, you know, appropriate, yeah. that's not my lesson that I'm taking from that. Right, exactly. I mean, you have no control over <clears throat> what supervisors do, but I think the, the key thing that you're saying is, Essentially, what you're saying is turn a negative to a positive. You know, yeah, take, take situations yeah. that appear um, negative or disastrous and find the gold nugget in there and try to move on. Even if you have yeah. to like eat a slice of humble pie, because it, yeah. it does not feel good getting up on national television in front of 36 million viewers and admitting that you did something wrong, yeah. but still not being able to tell your whole side of the story. Well, now you're telling your whole I, side I of the got, story. I got ripped apart. <laughs> like, TMZ was calling me, the Daily Mail. People were investigating my license, staying, you know, trying to get me dis, like, 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 like discredited. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. But, you know... Um, Look, Again, if, if I think self-growth comes from all of those really terrible moments. And if anybody did any real investigating, they would have seen that you reposted a picture, first of all. Oh, yeah. They would have tried to figure out what happened to the person that actually posted it. And once they realized nothing happened to that oh, person, yeah. then they would, they, would have, they would have yeah. seen that... You know, you, the, the disciplinary action was was complete bullshit. Yeah, and it, again, you know? it's nothing on it's nothing on my no, colleague absolutely. there. absolutely. Yeah, you know, and even he has reached out to me, and he's like, "Damn, I just, I still can't believe that happened. I'm so sorry." And there's no bad blood or anything there, you know. But yeah. it doesn't matter where I go; people will never let me forget that. Yeah, I, I can write a blog or an article today, and if like Scrubs Magazine reposts it or some blog site shares it, yeah, it never fails, man. There's always a whole gang of trolls <laughs> ready to remind me that I posted that yeah. picture. And oh my god, you know the nursing world is very harsh. Funny story, my my producer, she, you know, she was doing doing some research, and she was like, "Yeah, I can't really find much. Just about her, she got fired." That's the <laughs> See, I know, right? Look, I know. And it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I, like, legit, like, since then, I have spoke at, like, countless conferences yeah. and symposiums and yeah. and career events and, yeah. and, and, and um, you know, pinning ceremonies and social media, you know, um, networking events and everything about 
listen, here's the mistake I made. Here's how to not make the same mistake. Sure. And this is, but again, reinforcing the fact that nurses need to be in the media. Right. We have no nurses in the media unless right. I am some, you know, dumb bag who's banging the pharmacist or unless I'm some serial killer and I've murdered 55 patients, right. ain't no nurse on any TV network anywhere. Yeah. None. none. Yeah. yeah. You have to be some extreme form of, of, you know, and again, that's the exception. That's not the norm. But there's, but, you know, again, there's doctors everywhere, which is mm-hmm. great because we need physicians in the media. But Correct. where is the other half you right, know, right. where where is the person that represents the four million other healthcare providers in the U.S. that patients turn to in their most vulnerable of times? So I'm constantly trying to encourage people that listen, like, don't get disheartened by what happened to me. You yeah. know, here's how to use media the right way, and here's right. what not to do. But we still need a presence in the media because there's no way that nurses are ever going to change any legislation that affects our job stability or our, or our pay or our quality of, yeah. you know, care that we give to patients if we don't have a media presence because until you can affect somebody's pocketbooks, yeah. you ain't Nobody getting cares. anything changed yeah. on Capitol Hill. Well, today, today at least you got, you did get to tell your, the full story. I don't know if this is the first time you've told it, but all angles of it. Yeah. And I think and anybody listening to it, you know, with any kind of uh, level of intelligence would see that. You know, there was nothing you can do. But I will say, and I agree with you, life does sometimes throw your shit sandwich and yeah. you, you got to figure out how it to d- eat it. It don't, yeah, it, it don't <laughs> taste good. You know it don't saying? taste good. Let's jump into the, um, into the personal. We just did a whole long round the bend, 20 minutes on the professional. Uh, give us a, a personal story where, you know, there was some truth that something that you were ignoring and you accepted it. Hmm. And, it, and it helped you. Jeez, there's so many to choose from. Which one time. do I want? Take your time, like the preacher <laughs> said. Take your time. Oh God. Um, well, I, uh, I guess this this one could 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 resort back to still like my time in St. Louis. Okay. And I won't make this one 20 minute story. I'll give you the short. <laughs> and, I'll give you the short and sweet version. <laughs> it's so funny. Everyone who knows me is like, man, you sure can talk forever. <laughs> You're going to go over your time limit on everything. And I'm like, I know, man. But isn't it the worst thing as a producer when you have someone who you're like pulling information? Absolutely. Who you're like, absolutely. oh my God, absolutely. give me something. That's no, like the worst. Sure. I'm fabulous over here yes. with all this talking that Fabuloso. I got. Fabuloso, yes. Fabulous. Yes. So I was, um, you know, I had a rough patch like during my final like two years in high school. You know, I, I was never the popular kid ever. I went to a private all girls Catholic high school. I was never, um, I was never popular. I never had like boyfriends. I didn't go to prom. I, you know, I was just like the average person. I was friends with kind of like all the different groups in high school, you know, and I had, I had friends and I would hang out and stuff like that, but I was never one of those like kids that everyone wants to be in high school. Yeah. But I was always had problems with like weight, like up and down and whatnot. And, um, you know, coming like my senior year in high school, I was, uh, I met a group of people that was not the most healthy and positive group of characters, I guess you could say. Healthy and, and positive, okay. Yeah, you know, I was hanging around just like, I was hanging around a bad crew of people. Okay. Making bad decisions and uh, not very positive influences. You, you know, drugs, cutting school. All that. Shoplifting well, at the mall. Not necessarily drugs. Okay. Not shoplifting, but like drinking, partying, okay. not putting education, you know, none of them were even finished in high school. Damn. You know, they were getting in trouble with getting locked up and getting in fights and, you know, staying out past curfew, all that dumb St. Louis shit that people do <laughs> in St. Louis. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I, was, I started dating this guy who um, he was this Italian guy and I don't know what it was. I think it was just the fact that he was like everything that I had never really um, been exposed to growing up. You know, he was a bad boy and he had a car and all this, all this dumb <laughs> stuff that, that young women. It seems amazing yeah, at the time. Yeah, it oh, just yeah. seems amazing at the oh, time. Yeah, like back hair, you know, the whole yeah, thing. I mean, all that, all that. <laughs> And so I started dating him, and um, so it's like senior year in high school, and then after I finished high school, you know, I got accepted into St. Louis University. I got accepted into, like, the local community college, and I'm like, I'm not going to go to college right away. I'm going to work and save money. Okay. Shit. <laughs> my, my mom and dad, you know, my family, like almost everyone in my family has a master's degree. They're all, um, they're either teachers or healthcare providers or like everyone is educated and education has always been a strong aspect of my family. So here I am talking about, I ain't going to college right away. I'm going to work. And my mom and dad were like, 
sure. Right. Let me know how that works out. And um, so this guy that I was with, I ended up like moving in with him and working <sighs> at the sandwich shop right. and the manufacturing plant. Yeah. Because I couldn't get a job anywhere else because I just had like a high school diploma. Right. I, he and me and him, we were like in love. He was my first love. We were like in love. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to get married and all this stuff. And about a year after we started, you know, like, like being like boyfriend and girlfriend, he started drinking. And I don't mean like he was drinking at parties. Like he would drink before he brushes teeth in the morning. Damn. And it got pretty, pretty serious. But I had been so estranged from my family by that time that I really had no relationship with them. Mm. You know, I would come around for holidays and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, my family had always told me, like, we don't support this. This is not a good decision for you. This is not, you know, like you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, and, and I knew that. And so I just figured, you know, if I... I'm not around them. They can't tell me that I'm making bad decisions because I'm going to turn this guy around. I'm going <laughs> to Captain Sabaho over here. I'm going to fix this <laughs> shit. And, and, you know, so here I'm like, here I'm like, eight, I'm like 19 years old. I have this um, newly alcoholic, you know, boyfriend. We're living together in this apartment that's condemned in St. Louis. I had an electrical cord running to the neighbor's house. We had no mm. hot water. Um, I was actually boiling like like a five gallon bucket, like like a steam pot of yeah. water on the yeah. stove and putting it in the bathtub. Um, we had we didn't Jeez, even have drywall. In, hustling and grinding. We didn't even have drywall in the apartment. You know, you come into the kitchen in the middle of the night, and if you like, you know, if you flip a light on, roaches scatter like you couldn't even see the countertops. It was it Damn. was rough. But I was so blinded by, I don't really know what I was blinded by. I mean, I don't want to say love because I look back now and I'm like, that shit was not love. But I was just blinded by being that young girl that had really low Mm self-esteem and no direction. Interesting. Who had made it a point to push away the people who cared about her the most, which is something that we do when we do not feel good about ourselves. And because mm. um, it sounds, it seems like like the relationship with your dad, especially was was like you you speak very highly of him. Where you know where I mean? I'm best friends with my parents yeah. now, and you know, but it took a lot for us to get there. Okay. Um. So this guy started abusing me on a daily basis. What kind of abuse? Oh, I mean, he he he'd beat the shit out of me like every night, mm. whether it was with his belt or whether it was you know smacking me around, hitting me like with construction tools. If I didn't have, like, dinner made and, like, a six-pack or, like, a case of beer waiting when he got back because he worked construction, I mean, it was going to be on. I actually Damn. I actually pawned my high school class ring. I stole jewelry and I pawned it uh, for cash, for beer money because, mm. you know, I right. felt so ashamed I couldn't go back to my family and I couldn't let them know. But then I had nowhere else to go because I had estranged myself from any, like, real legit friends that I had. Yeah, you were stuck. Yeah, Yeah. and I didn't have an education. I I wasn't going to school. So here I am making minimum wage, and I'm, like, barely putting gas in my Toyota Corolla. And barely, like, I was shopping at Aldi and the Dollar Tree. Mm. I was literally living off of, like, ramen noodles and, and, like, mac and cheese, like, like every night. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was just, I was just a really... I was in the sunken place. <laughs> I like that. Man. I like that. I, I was, I, I That's was a, a get out reference for yeah. those who haven't seen it. And side note, yeah. uh, I'm in an interracial, interracial relationship and we watched Get Out last night. For the first time? Man. For the first time? You, <laughs> yeah, so you, for you, the first time. Wow. Man. What happened? It was, there's, there's many, many inside jokes that we have now. It was, it, was, it was actually kind of funny, but damn. I guess he's not going to St. Louis to visit your folks. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He's going he's, he's gonna to meet him, but the whole time he's like, you're not going to put me in the sunken place, are you? And I'm like, no. Right, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm going to put you in a sunken place. Yeah, no, Another no, sunken place. No, not that sunken place. Right. But... <laughs> Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so, like, I, I knew that I was just making all these bad decisions, and I knew that I, um, you know, that, that I had just gotten so far away from anything that I ever really was expected to be from my family. I just, I kind of felt like I had nowhere to turn. So, um, you know, two years go by, and I'm still with this guy, mm. and, um, yeah. 
it was actually so bad. I mean, he was cheating, like he was cheating on me with all the local neighborhood hoes. I mean, like I got in a fight in 7-Eleven's parking lot because some chick that he was like, some side chick, she like walk up to me in 7-Eleven parking lot. And we were like brawling. I spent weekends in jail. I, I, sh- I, 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 I throw down. You, you can't, but, but the thing is like, you can't come at me and be like, meh, 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 meh. you know, I mean, if you bring me a fight, I'm going to end it. I'm not a punk. You know, right, but I right. don't go out seeking that kind of behavior. You know, but e- even to this day, if you come and you want to throw, you want to throw down, I'm, I'm still throw you down throw with you. Over? Yeah, but things were different back then because mm-hmm. I was mentally in a whole different place. Desperate times, desperate measures. You know, but yeah. so one day I come, uh, so like one day I come home and I'm sitting awake at like three o'clock in the morning and I see this like commercial on TV. Uh, saying like the local nursing school is accepting applications and I was like hmm maybe I should apply and I applied and I ended up getting in and it was interesting because like my whole family I come from a whole family of nurses my mom my sister my aunt my cousin and what made you do that though I was in the bottom of the barrel I mean I I literally had no I had nowhere to go I had no direction I, I had no nothing but I'm like huh it was like this infomercial at 3 a.m very very random thing but I ended up getting in, but they put me on a waiting list and they're like, you have to go take all these prerequisites. And so um, I decided to apply at the local community college, which is where I started out with all my sciences and my basic stuff that you needed to get into the nursing program. And so, um, but in the meantime, until I started all those classes, you know, um, I knew that I needed to get out of this relationship, but it's funny because this guy's mom used to always tell me, and she was also an abused woman. Her husband mm, abused her for years, and her sure. husband was an alcoholic. In fact, um, since then, my ex and his um, and his sibling, every all of his siblings, in fact, have addiction disorder. But my, since then, my ex actually overdosed and died Sheesh. of heroin, like about two years ago. Damn. But anyway, the thing that you know, the thing that made me get out of that situation was one night I came home. I had spent like six hours at the laundromat doing all the laundry and everything hauling that shit down the street and I came back and I walked in our apartment and I saw him chilling with some chick and I walked in and I was like and I just I lost my shit and um the chick runs out the house and he stands up and he hits me with a closed fist to my face damn and I had never got like the closed fist before but that was enough to actually uh it I had like a periorbital fracture and my my eye to that day on the right side of my face if you look my face is not symmetrical like from here to here and in fact I have some pretty nice deformities that are left over from really, that day yeah you can't see it no yeah no you you if you look if you look close enough it's it's subtle it's yeah, super yeah, subtle yeah I notice it a lot more just because if you look at my profile view from the left to the right side. Is oh, different. that's why you told him to take the picture from the left side. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't ever allow pictures from the right side because it, <laughs> it, it it don't anyway. It don't look the same. It's not okay. as cute on this side. Okay. All right. But I remember when that happened. I didn't lose consciousness, but I kind of went in and out. And I remember I stood up after he did that, and um, his mom had like ran in the apartment, and she was like, "You gotta go." And I remember looking at her, and I was like, "I do." I do. I got. I gotta get yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah. So I grabbed my basket of laundry. I grabbed like a couple things out of like my drawers and stuff. And I got in my car and I rode home to my mom and dad's. And I hadn't lived there in a long time. And uh, you know, I didn't tell them I was coming home. But the next morning, I was walking downstairs and I walked down the stairs and I was hiding my face. I mean, like, like I, I had no eye. I mean, literally, it was like something off of like a sci-fi movie. It was crazy. And my mom's a nurse. Like, you can't hide, well, you can't hide shit from a nurse. Yeah, no. And I was walking down the stairs, and like, I had my bangs like over the side of my face, and I was like this, going out the house, and she's like, stop, where are you going? And she pulled me aside, and she looked at me, and she was like, oh my God, where did we go wrong? Mm. And my parents felt like it was like, their fault sure and I just like broke down and th- that was the day that changed my whole life because that was the day that I realized that my parents not only loved me but that you know that that everybody sometimes feels guilt you know even if they're not the ones doing wrong because they never right. did anything wrong my parents have always provided for me they've always been supportive I just didn't like what they were saying for many years <laughs> like many dumb dumb young kids do of course but um 
but that was the day that kind of made me realize, you know, that uh, that you should never ever be okay with being in those unhealthy situations. But you know, the truth that I took from that was that I needed to do better for myself. But I yeah. never really knew why I put up with that for so long. Well, you said you it know? earlier. You said that there was a self esteem issue. Oh that, yeah, that you, yeah, you know, yeah. You, but I mean, like, but to like say, but to like live in squalor for one thing, but then be getting the shit beat out of you every night, and to yeah. still feel like, like you can change somebody, like you can change something, and really, the person who I needed to change was myself. Was you. Right. I ain't never right. gonna change that man. In no. fact, he's not even on the earth anymore. You know. But I had to change myself. Did you? Ever and it feel, took a long time to realize that. Did you ever feel like, like you needed to protect him, or you needed to be there for him? I yeah, I wanted to was. I wanted to fix him because yeah. I saw more more potential in him than he saw in himself. Yeah, and I wanted and and he was a very like he was a genuinely cool cool person like yeah. when we met, you know. But I just I, I, again like, it was almost like he was this project for me, this <laughs> impossible project. And 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 like like the erector set when you're growing up and just got like nine thousand pieces. You're like I'm gonna put this bank vault together. That shit seems impossible, but you still do it. Right. You know, right, right. He, that was, he was my project. But even, even after that, like, that's still not a reason to sit there and tolerate that for years. So, you know, when I, whenever I talk to people these days, you know, whenever I give my speeches, and especially when I speak at, like, women's events, I always tell people the story because women will look at me and they would never think I've been through any of that. Yeah. But you can never look at somebody's, like, final package and assume that, that they got there like with a straight path. You can't ever just look at somebody and think, oh, look at their finished product. She has this great life because I, I have lived it. I have spent weekends in jail. I have been handcuffed to a cracked out hooker in the back of a paddy wagon mm. at the sublet police station in St. Louis. Mm. I have been, I mean, I have, have literally heard, have you been this, like- have you, heard any, have, you told any, have you told any of this information? Yeah, this only, is, I mean, this only like my closest people really know. No, I mean publicly. Really know, Oh like, uh, yeah, like you're doing no. That? Okay. Publicly, I talk yeah. about this in my speaking events yeah, because this is real. Yeah, I think one of the reasons that I do have a good following and popularity on social media is because I'm very transparent. A lot yeah. of people don't feel good putting their skeletons out there, and they don't feel good putting out their less than glorified moments. Mm. But I'm cool with all that. Like yeah. I, 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 own, I own all that shit. Yeah. It doesn't make me less of a person now. In fact. I want other young women to, to learn from my mistakes, but I want them to also realize that even the most popular, put together, educated, you know, career savvy, independent, smart woman at some point in time has been through some shit. Yeah. But it is only how we act in our most terrible, lowest of moments that is a true determinant of how great, of how great we really are. You know, and so it was how I acted during those during the lowest moments in my life that made me realize, you know what? I, I am strong and I yeah. am. And I, and, and all of that starts with my confidence and my, and my will to do better for myself. Yeah. So again, I think another reason why I kind of survived in New York city, because that energy of the city makes you want to do better for yourself. Yeah. And you had come from a background of sort of grit and grind and this city yeah. is all about grind, you know, it's all it about grind. Yeah, it definitely is. All right. So I got. We, we're gonna jump into some some questions. I we got almost a few, need a cigarette after got, that, right? <laughs> Ma'am, tell me what is a social media influencer and how does one become that? Social media influencer is somebody who decides to portray a message on social media using social media as your platform as your venue. Yeah. Uh, the same way that you know um, that that any brand chooses to portray something that they want to sell people. A social media influencer is selling people a message. Mm -hmm. You're selling people a look. You're selling people a story. Okay. And in my case, you know, I'm selling people my story, okay. my motivations, my lessons in life, right. my thoughts and views and my opinions. And social media is just a way that we can do that. It's, a, it's this nice little platform that we can have people tune in and follow mm -hmm. and check our posts. Right. Um, but the whole influence factor, yeah, right. the, 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 in, the influence factor is the most important part because anybody can put Photoshop shit on social media <laughs> and call themselves like a social media maven, you know, right. but, um, <laughs> but to actually have influence over people, you know, um, that is where everything changes Yeah. because it's one thing to be popular, but 
you can also be famous and broke at the same time, you know? Absolutely. So it doesn't make sense yeah. for you to be popular without influence. I would never want to be popular without influence. Yeah. That's the equivalent of being famous and broke. And I would much, much rather be influential in a positive way for both women and men out there, whether they're in healthcare or not in healthcare, than be popular. Because okay. popular is never going to go anywhere with people. Look at all the influential people in history. They were never popular when they started out. No. Jesus. No one, yeah, yeah, Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I mean, let, let's, that's kind of a throwback, right. but you know, <laughs> we, I, went, I went way yeah. back with that one, but yeah, yes. but you know, but again, I, I, the most important piece to that is there are people that choose to be on social media because they want popularity, they want that instant overnight reality fame. Yeah, and how do you achieve all of this? Well, that has its own path, but I didn't want to choose that path. So how did I achieve my influential? you know, um, like my, my influential platform today is honestly, social media became a full-time job for me outside right. my full-time job. Yeah, I don't have a social media team. I don't have a manager. I don't have anyone that does the content and the postings for me. Right. I literally make it a part of my everyday life the same way that you get up and, you know, you brush your teeth in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, you go to the gym. You have to be willing to really open yourself up because there's a lot of fake, a lot of fake love out there. A lot of, there's a lot of fake people. There's a lot of fake love. And I think that the most influential people on social media are those that own their story yeah. and those that are transparent. You know, because who wants to just be a fan of the, fin of the finished product? I, I mean, I, you know, and I hate that about social media is that yeah. we see everybody's finished product. We see these perfect bodies you know, and but people are putting all this fake stuff out there, yeah. and you know, there's not really much, much genuineness found within social media anymore. So, if you really want to look at the people who have really engaging followings and who really, really change people's lives, yeah. at the end of the day, it's those people that get on there and they're like, "Listen, this is unphotoshopped, unfiltered, unedited. This is my real story. Here are the mistakes I've made. Here's the flaws that I have." Yeah. You know, this is the lesson that I learned and this is the shit that I'm going through. But also, here's my good moments and here's my, you know, having a good time. You have to have a balance to all that because the average human goes yeah. through all of that. Yep, full we, range. Yeah, so I, when I did start all of this, I was like, you know, I'm not just going to get on here and put some, put some fake nonsense out here because everybody can do that. Right. So. Let's, um, let's talk about the word courage. All right. So you're Caucasian. Obviously, definitely right. a white girl. <laughs> hey, but you know your body's not typical for you know those descendants of the Caucasus Mountains. You're, you're, just, you're, uh, you're <laughs> and any IG view can see that. But tell me about because you you post a lot about you know shots of your body, shots of you working out. What is it about your body that you're most uh, proud of, and exactly what are you trying to communicate? The part of my body that I'm most proud about is it in its natural state. You know, I've never had plastic surgery. I've never had, but a lot of people, you know, don't know. I used to weigh 220 pounds and I'm only five feet tall Okay. because I would eat my way through all those emotions way back in the day. I mean, listen, I can still polish off a whole bag of Doritos in one sitting, <laughs> but I just found a way to better balance that with making healthy choices and, you know, going to the gym okay. because all those years of abuse and all those years of like ups and downs that I suffered, food was my comfort. It was the Absolutely. one thing that never left me. Sure. So what I'm proud about the most of my body now is that, you know, is that it's, it's my body. I've worked hard to get it how it is. You know, I have stretch marks. I got rolls. I got cellulite. I got, you know, I, I have things that social media thinks that you should fix, mm. things that social media thinks that you shouldn't have, right. things that magazine will Photoshop, Photoshop. things, things airbrush, that yeah. airbrush, all yeah. that stuff. And, and to me, there's nothing more beautiful than, you know, a woman who is comfortable in her own skin, yeah. who doesn't feel the need to say, you know, society says that this is beautiful. That's what I'm going to be. You know, a confident woman is comfortable in her body. And if she doesn't like it, she will work hard to change it, yeah. you know, but again, society and social media is not the person who I look to, to validate how I feel about my body. Okay. So I've always loved being you know, being, being somebody that promotes, you know, loving your natural body, yeah. whether you're big, whether you're small, whether you're skinny, whether you got, you know, yams and a big butt or whether you have, you know, no boobs, like whatever size you are, like, right. you know, you still offer something and what you offer is of much greater value than your body and your physical appearance. Okay. 
right. you know, so I post shots at the gym because shoot, it ain't easy losing no like 50, 60 pounds. Yeah. It's not easy. And I struggle every day with food. God, Lord knows, <laughs> Lord knows. Like I was at a barbecue this weekend and I'm like, you're not hungry. You really don't need like a third thing of red velvet cake and potato salad. <laughs> but guess what? I went back and I ate it. And yeah. You know, like, so I'm not one of those people that's going to condemn somebody for making, you know, emotional food decisions. But yeah. I think that we all share a specific journey and that we can all get a little something out of that. So, yeah, okay. I may post pictures of the bacon cheeseburger I'm about to tear into when we leave. But <laughs> I'm also going to go box tomorrow. I'm going to go for a run. So there's always a happy balance, you know, in between all that. So, uh, you know, I'm very comfortable sharing that on social media. Let's actually let's jump into um the section yes or BS. Basically, I'm going to make a statement, and you're going to say yes or or, okay. or you or you can say BS. All right, cool. You can go into why you think it's you agree or don't agree or not. Okay, go. Number one, relationships are usually one-sided. BS. They're never one-sided. It takes two people to be in a relationship. I agree with that, but you think that all relationships are equal? Oh, hell no. Hell, no, no, right. no, no, no. There have, there have been many a train wreck relationships in my own life <laughs> okay. and also in other people's lives. But I think when you do experience that one-sided relationship or yeah. that unhealthy relationship, when you, get to be, when you get a chance to be with somebody who will drive next to you, you know, down that road right. and working together as like right. a team, yeah. that's when your perspective changes. Number two. Nurses are smarter than doctors. BS. <laughs> BS. Why are you trying to start some shit over here, man? God, you all instigating. <clears throat> Briefly. Yeah. Street smarts and education smarts and work experience smarts. There's many different types of smarts out there. Yeah. There are many things that nurses might be better at than physicians. Yeah. And there are many things that physicians might be better at than nurses. You can never just say so-and-so is smarter than that person because everybody, it takes a whole team to take care of a patient. Right. It takes a community of, of people from social workers, physicians, nurses to take care of somebody. Physicians have a lot more education and training than nurses will ever have. Yeah. And I wish, you know, that nurses received more education and training and residencies and fellowships. And um, to be honest with you, since I started dating a surgeon, I've had a whole different level of respect for anybody who pursues a career in medicine. It has really been an eye-opener. But I will never, ever sit back and say, so-and-so is smarter than that person. Because one, I ain't trying to start that fire. <laughs> Two, um, everybody brings a different kind of smarts to the table. Agreed. Number three, developing internal beauty is simple. Bullshit. <laughs> it is not, it's not simple because you have... You have the entire billions of people in the media and on social media telling you that inner beauty is, is, is crap. Telling you that beauty is, beauty is your body and beauty is the kind of money that you make and beauty is your popularity and how many likes and comments you get. So it's not easy to develop and trust your inner beauty because you have literally, you open your phone every day, you turn on the TV, you have a million people telling you that, that it ain't shit. Number four, positive feedback is more effective than negative feedback. That's kind of hard because <laughs> I would I would like I would like to say I would like to say bullshit because um, you can get you can get praised every day on the job you can get praised in your relationship and it feels good and you will take that with you and you'll keep doing that but man you will never ever forget that feeling when you get called out in the middle of rounds for making a bad decision. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, my God, your whole world gets rocked. Your whole world gets rocked. Mm. So I, I hate to say that negative feedback can really be a lot more effective than positive. And it's ass backwards. It shouldn't be like that. It but shouldn't. that's just real life. You were talking. The reason I put this question in it because you were talking about how, you know, we live, it, particularly in training, we live in this like fear, fear based or fear, yeah. fear driven training. And it's exactly. true. Yeah, it's true. Exactly. You know, in nursing school, the very first thing that you hear on your first day of orientation is look to the right and look to the left of you. One of those people won't make it through this program. Yeah. That's their very that is your welcome to nursing school. Same thing. Same, yeah. thing, same thing in college and med school. Yeah. Number five, social media access should be limited to some people. Uh, 
Agreed. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> For one, uh, like, don't no 12-year-old need to be seeing Amber Rose's muffed-up vagina. And, like, <laughs> second of all, um, there's so much crap there. Man, there's so much crap on social media. Yeah. There are many biased sites that, I mean, just going to throw this out there. There are so many news sites and um and blog pages that will like race bait Mm -hmm. and that will try to start wars between people on social media there are fat shaming sites that will make women feel terrible about their bodies there are sites that will even encourage people you know at young ages to to do really dumb things so yeah i think it should be limited access to some people, especially those that are in like their younger ages. Like I'll be damned. My 13, 14 year old nephew and niece do not need to be on the shade room. Number six. In five years, Katie Duke will host her own talk show as a positive role model for women in healthcare. Yes. Number seven. The night shift sucks. Yep. <laughs> Facts, B. Facts. <laughs> it does suck. And... That shit ain't normal. <laughs> And the last one, social media is transforming us into a society of narcissists. Facts. <laughs> truth, Duke, the truth prescription, the truth prescription has, been has been filled. Has been, truth, has been truthful. It has been truthful. Katie Duke, tell the people how they can reach you. You can reach me at thekatieduke at gmail.com or on any social media site at thekatieduke. That's the, like, the... Katie Duke, you don't know how many times I got to go over that. T-H-E. T-H-E. Listen, this has been extremely informative. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I myself walking away with a, with, a, with a lot to think about. So I really appreciate you Because I said a whole lot of shit up, 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 in, up in this little amount of time. I'm yeah, gonna si- I'm gonna sign off. I have a feeling we're gonna have to do another Katie Duke show, but I'm gonna sign off. Oh, I got I got I got plenty more stories where that, where where all them came from. <laughs> as I as I always say, the truth will set you free. The truth shall set you free, brother. If I you, agree. I agree. If you let it.